You're listening to the preaching podcast of Victory Baptist Church in Roanoke Rapids, North Carolina, led by Pastor Jeremy Coburnett. It is our desire that you will be helped by this Bible message. John chapter number 4 and verse number 43. The Bible says, Now after two days he departed thence and went into Galilee. For Jesus himself testified that a prophet hath no honor in his own country. Then when he was coming to Galilee, the Galileans received him, having seen all the things that he did at Jerusalem at the feast. For they also went unto the feast. So Jesus came again into Cana of Galilee, where he made the water wine. And there was a certain nobleman whose son was sick at Capernaum. When he had heard that Jesus was come out of Judea into Galilee, he went unto him and besought him that he would come down and heal his son, for he was at the point of death. Then said Jesus unto him, Except ye see signs and wonders, ye will not believe. The nobleman saith unto him, Sir, come down ere my child die. And Jesus saith unto him, Go thy way, thy son liveth. And the man believed the word that Jesus had spoken unto him, and he went his way. And as he was now going down, his servant met him and told him, saying, Thy son liveth. Then inquired he of them the hour when he began to amend. And they said unto him, Yesterday at the seventh hour the fever left him. So the father knew that it was at the same hour in the which Jesus said unto him, Thy son liveth and himself believed, and his whole house. This is again the second miracle that Jesus did when he was come out of Judea into Galilee. Amen. And you may be seated. Thank you for standing. Thank you, Brother Dan, for reading that scripture. Uh, I, was, I was ready to let Brother Dan preach when he was getting going there at the beginning. That was so good. You know, we were so blessed with our assistant pastors, Brother uh, Dan and Brother Nathan. I thank the Lord for them. And uh, I, I really should have them preach more than what I do, but uh, I, they are such a blessing. And uh, if, I let them, if I let them preach too much, I'm afraid you're going to vote me out and vote them in. And so there's kind of a, a method to my madness, but we're so thankful for them. I met uh, Brandon and Stephanie right down here. This is uh, Morgan's uh, brother and sister-in-law, and uh, I'm looking forward to talking to you, Brandon, get some good stories about Morgan, let me tell you. And... Uh, well, actually, the ones that Blaine does not tell me, I'll get from you. But uh, we're so glad you're here and uh, other folks that are visiting. I'll look forward to getting to meet you after the service. Hope you will stop by uh, the, the back and, and the friends. I certainly want you all to go to the back at the end. And I want folks to come by and meet you. And uh, please thank this family for coming. Now, I said this in the early service, and I mean it. Uh, when they were singing right before the message, I could have sat on that front pew, and I could have just let them sing the rest of the day. I love it. And uh, I hope you appreciate good music. I hope, hope you appreciate folks that have given their lives to travel and to sing and to minister. Uh, music is such an important thing. Uh, I'm going to pray, and I'm going to pray for the, uh, the scripture. I know Brother Dan already prayed, but I'd ask you to remember these families in prayer. They've lost loved ones. And then um, I, I found out this morning uh, that uh, Victoria Cash, you know, Andy and Tanya, their uh, daughter, Victoria, had to be airlifted uh, to, I believe it was Chapel Hill, and I hope you'll be in prayer for that family. Lord, we love you, and we pray your blessing upon now the message. I pray for these families who have uh, lost loved ones this week. I pray you give them special comfort. I pray for many needs and many burdens in this room that uh, only you know about, 
And only you can fix and only you can help and only you can minister. Uh, Lord, I'll do my best today to be an encouragement. Uh, but my words come up so short. and My, my efforts uh, come up so small. But I thank you that there is power in the word of God and Holy Spirit. I pray that you would speak to each and every person, each and every uh, heart and life here. I pray for Victoria, that you would touch her, and I pray that you would be with her precious baby. I pray that you'd give safety. I pray that you'd do a miraculous work there in both a mother and baby. I pray that you'd be with that family and help them at this time. We love you. We thank you for what you've done. We ask now that you would help us as we look at your word. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. John chapter 4, we started last week a, a series. Of course, our theme for the year is follow Jesus, and we're going to take some time these next few weeks and we're going to really look at some of the miracles, uh, some of the, uh, the ministry of Jesus. We're, we're going to look tonight at one of the parables of Jesus. But I want you to know that there are some things that we say or we do that don't make sense. How many of you have ever said something that didn't make sense? And the rest of you that did not raise your hand, you have, you just didn't realize it, Right? Sometimes we realize it and we correct it. Sometimes we just don't know. Uh, uh, Joanna, I was thinking about when the friends were singing. Uh, my wife, Joanna. We got all kinds of Joannas and Sarahs and all that around here. But Joanna, when the friends were singing, it was reminding me of the, the, some of the groups we used to travel with that we used to sing and always do such a good job. We had one girl in the group that used to say this, and she was just, she was a nut. Uh, but she would say, if, if you said something that didn't really, you know, didn't really click or didn't make sense, she would say, excuse me. Could you say that again, but make sense this time, you know? And uh, we, I, we laughed about all that. But sometimes the things we do and the things we say don't always make sense. Maybe it doesn't always have a, a meaning or a purpose. But I want to remind you, everything that God says in his word has a purpose and it has a meaning. Everything that Jesus did on this earth, in his earthly ministry, everything had a purpose. Everything had a meaning. Now, I don't claim to know all the meanings and all the reasons, but what I'm going to try to do this morning is I'm going to try to take a miracle that Jesus did, and I want to show you how it affects us and how it can help us in our lives. Last week, we saw the miracle where Jesus turned the water into wine. He was at the wedding, remember that, in Cana of Galilee. Well, here we are in John chapter 4, and Jesus performs another miracle in the same city. I say a city, it was just a little town, a few hundred people. There's Cana, and Jesus goes back to his hometown, his home area of Nazareth and Galilee, and he does another miracle there. This time, it is not a shortage of a beverage at a wedding. This time, it's life and death. And Fred, I want to remind you this morning, you know sometimes the problems that you think are so big... They're really not big problems. Think about those people at that wedding. They thought, oh no, what are we going to do? We don't have anything for people to drink. And here we are, a few days later, we've got a man whose son is ready to die. Now I say that for a couple reasons. One, I want you to understand that Jesus is able to take care of the little things and he's also able to take care of the big things. And there's no such thing as a little thing to God. He cares. He knows. He, he wants us to pray. You say, oh, my prayer request is just a, a little thing. It's not little to God. God wants you to pray. But I also say that to remind you that this week, as you're going through life, 
you've got something that you're upset about and maybe it's you stubbed your toe. I know that sounds crazy, but how many of you know stubbing your toe is not fun, right? That's not good. Or you jam your fingers or you do whatever. But sometimes we've got problems that we think are a big deal and we have no idea that right beside us there is somebody who's going through something that is major life crisis. I remember this was some time back. I won't tell you the time frame. I certainly won't tell you the names of the people. But I remember in one day, and, and, and this happens often, I'll go from a hospital and I'll go to another uh, appointment or another situation. But this was some, some time ago, and I had a, a family that I, I was meeting with, and they were telling me all about the problem. And boy, they were all worked up, and they were all upset, and they were telling me about the problem. And when they got done, I kid you not, inside my thought was, What's the problem? Because it really wasn't a big problem. Honestly, it really wasn't a big deal. Not to them, it was. And I tried to help them, and I prayed with them, and, and I never told them. I said, well, I never asked them, what's the problem? I certainly didn't do that. But what they didn't know was that same day, I was also meeting with a family that was in a situation like this. It was life or death. It was a family that had problems that were so big that it was just, uh, there was no way to fix it. There was nothing that could be done. It was something that was a tragedy. It was a heartache. It was a heartbreak. And, and, and the same day, I remember getting that, that picture and that reminder. And here was my thought. How many times have I been like that first family that was so upset and so worked up over something that really wasn't a big deal? You know, friend, this week, when you're having a bad day, maybe just remember that there's somebody that you're going to come in contact with that would love to trade problems with you. There's somebody that if, if you knew what they were going through, you would not be uh, complaining about your problems. You'd be thanking God that you didn't have the problems that they had. But here we see another miracle, and this takes place in the same area. Notice with me, if you would, in John chapter 4. And verse number 43, now after two days, he departed thence and he went into Galilee. Jesus had been in Jerusalem for the Passover and there were some people from Galilee that had traveled with him. And then they traveled back to Galilee. And the Bible says in verse number uh, 45, then when he was coming to Galilee, the Galileans received him having seen all the things that he did at Jerusalem at the feast, for they also went unto the feast. So they've traveled back. But something happened in Jerusalem. The Bible doesn't tell us exactly what it was, but we see in verse number 44 that Jesus testified, he prophesied, and he said this, he, uh, a prophet, uh, hath no honor in his own country. Now, Jesus went to Jerusalem and already he was getting pushback from the religious leaders. They didn't want him there. They didn't like him there. Uh, they didn't want Jesus to mess up their life and mess up their program. And friend, if you've got a life that's going on that Jesus would mess up your life, then you've got a mess. And you need to get that life messed up. And you need to get that life turned right side up. Because Jesus doesn't mess up. Jesus is, shouldn't be getting pushed back. Jesus should be received. And here's what it says about the Galileans. It says that when he was coming to Galilee, the Galileans received him. Number one, I'd like for you to see in this passage, there was a reception. The Galileans, when Jesus came, they said, we want you here. You are welcome here. 
And friend, I want to tell you, Jesus ought to be welcome in your life. Jesus ought to be welcome in your home. Jesus ought to be welcome in your car. He ought to be welcome at your workplace. Jesus ought to be received. Don't push him away. We ought to receive him. We ought to welcome him. If you're here today and you've never been saved, you know what the Bible says? You cannot be saved unless you receive Jesus Christ. John chapter 1, he uh, came unto his own and his own received him not. But as many as received him, to them gave he power to become the sons of God, even to them that believe on his name. That's how you become a child of God. That's how you become born again. That's how you get your name written in the Lamb's book of life. You receive the gift of eternal life. You receive Jesus Christ as your Savior. There's a reception. Not only a reception for salvation, but there ought to be a reception every day of fellowship. You ought to every day, you ought to open your heart and say, Jesus, take control today. You ought to pull out your schedule and say, Jesus, take control today. You ought to pull out the checkbook ledger and say, Jesus, take control today. And I don't mean just mean balancing it. I mean making sure it's going to the right place. But here's what I'm saying. We ought to be receiving. We ought to be welcoming Jesus. The Galileans did. Number two, I see in verse number 46 and 47, I see there was a request. The Bible says, so Jesus came again into Cana of Galilee, where he made the water wine. And there was a certain nobleman whose son was sick at Capernaum. And when he heard that Jesus was come out of Judea into Galilee, he went unto him and besought him that he would come down and heal his son, for he was at the point of death. Number two, I see there was a request. Now, here is a man who is not a beggar. Here is a man who is not a commoner. Here is a man who is a nobleman. That word nobleman refers to the fact that he probably was in the king's court. He probably had an assignment from the king. Here was a man who, he, he was the who's who. Here was a man who had all kinds of connections. I'm sure he had resources. I'm sure he could have had access to the finest doctors in the area. But this man had a son who was sick. And this son was not just sick with a cold. This son was not just sick uh, with the sniffles. This son was, at the, was sick at the point of death. This son could have died at any moment. And this nobleman says, I got to do something. I've tried everything I can do. I got to get to Jesus. I got to go to where he is. It was about 22 miles of traveling from Capernaum to Cana. And this man said, doesn't matter how far, doesn't matter how hard, doesn't matter how long, I am going to get where Jesus is. Now, friend, I want to tell you, you don't have to walk 22 miles to get to Jesus. Can I tell you, he's as close as the mention of his name. You can find a prayer closet. You can find a place and you can get a hold of God at your home, uh, at your work, in your car, out in the woods. You can get a hold of God at church. You can get a hold of God anywhere. But so many times we don't even make our request known. So many times we've got all these needs and we say, well, when was the last time you prayed? And you say, oh, I haven't gotten around to that one yet. We tell everybody our problems. We, we tell everybody our difficulties. And I'm not against getting help from people. I'm not against uh, talking through things and, and trying to work things out with people. But friend, there are some things that people can't help you with. There are some things that are beyond human resources that only God can do. And this man, he said, I've got to get to Jesus and I've got to make my request known. The Bible says he besought. Or besought, it means to beg. 
means to implore. You know what's sad is most of us as adults, we're too good to beg for anything, aren't we? Too much pride. Now, you, you, get a chill, you get a child going, they don't mind begging for anything. My children, let me tell you something, if there's food involved or if there's a, a, you know, candy involved or whatever, they will beg, they'll do anything they have to do for that. But yet as God's children, so many times we don't even ask for what we need. We don't even ask God for the requests that we have. This nobleman was not too proud to beg for the life of his son. The Bible says in Philippians 4, 6, be careful for nothing. But in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known unto God. You're not bothering God. You're not, you're not getting on God's nerves. You're not annoying God when you pray. He wants you to pray. You can't pray too much. You can't pray often enough. God wants to hear from his children. This man, he makes his request. No, number one, the reception. Number two, the request. Number three, I see the reality. The reality in verse number 47 is that his son is not only sick, but his son is at the point of death. I wonder this morning, what's your reality? What's going on in your life? Maybe it's not a physical need. Maybe it's not a, a health situation, but maybe it's a spiritual need. Maybe it's a situation in your marriage. Maybe it's a situation in your finances. Maybe it's a situation that you are, are, are faced. Maybe that old devil is, is after you. And maybe you're getting close to, to, to throwing in the towel and giving up. I don't know what your reality is, but I want to tell you, you better recognize where you are. You better realize the situation. You better figure it out because it's life and death. For this man... His son was at the point of death. I cannot imagine what this man was going through. Uh, my wife and I, we've had times where our children were sick. Can I tell you, as a parent, you wish you could take it for them, don't you? Uh, for many of you as grandparents, I'm sure there are times you would gladly trade places with them. For some of you in this room, you know what it's like to lose a child. I've not been through that. My wife and I have not been through that. We've had miscarriages, and obviously that is very difficult, and that's very hard, but uh, it's not the same. It's not the same as, as holding a baby in your arms. It's not the same as watching a child grow up. Uh, it is natural. It is normal uh, that, that children would, 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 would bury their parents, but it's not natural that a parent would have to bury a child. That's where this man is. It's that close. Remember, I think it was probably eight or nine years ago, right back here, Joey, about where you're sitting, uh, we had a, a sweet couple, uh, Wallace and Mary Edwards in our church that were faithful members for so many years. I remember one Sunday, Miss Lisa, you, you and Tommy, you know, knew the Edwards so well. They're so sweet, wonderful people in heaven. But one Sunday, uh, and, and now... Some of, some of us could learn a lesson from this. Wallace and Mary would come to Sunday school. Sunday school, help me out. What time does Sunday school start? 10 o'clock. Before we had the early service, Wallace and Mary Edwards would come to Sunday school. And do you know what time they would get here for 10 o'clock Sunday school? About 9 o'clock. And there was nothing going on. 
I'd be walking through the auditorium just getting things ready. And I think the first time or two, I thought, am I missing something? Is my watch off? And they just love to be here. They'd get here early and they'd talk and they'd fellowship. I remember one Sunday, I was here early before Sunday school and I was walking by, I was speaking to them. And Miss Mary pulled out a picture that she had and she showed me a picture of two children, small children, just probably three or four years old. And they were, they were standing in front of a lake and it was a very, very old picture. She said, these are my twins. And uh, I remember thinking, I thought, well, I knew I'd met some of the Wallace's children, but I didn't remember meeting the one. And she said, this is Wayne and Jane. Many of you know Jane and Frankie Butler. They're dear, dear, precious folks in this area. But she said, Wayne, she said, uh, he, he passed away as a small boy, just a couple years old. And she, I, she showed me that picture as if I think that was probably the last picture that she had of, of him before he passed away. And she said, I, it, she said, I was reminded so much of my twins, she said, by seeing your twins, Lacey and Savannah, who at the time were three or four years old. And I remember when I saw that, and, you know, for, for Mary and Wallace, they were just such sweet people, had the joy of the Lord. And I thought, I can't imagine the tragedy that that couple went through all those years ago. But you know what happened? They didn't get bitter. They didn't get mad at God. They went through a tragedy, and they looked back at that tragedy, and they just believed that God was in control. Now, friend, I can't imagine that. I'll say this, Job in the Bible... Miss Carrie, uh, the brother Marshall, last night at your, bro at your brother's funeral, he was talking about Job. And, and, and Job, Job was a man that lost all 10 of his children in one day. They all died. And Job said about God, he said, even if God were to kill me, I'm still going to trust him. Now, here's the problem. For, for, for Christianity today, we think that God is a genie in a bottle, that he's got to do everything we want and do everything we think he should do. I got news for you, friend. That's not who God is. That's not how God operates. If God answers my prayer, he's still God. If he doesn't answer my prayer, he's still God. And it's a good day when you come to the point in your life that you say, whether or not the outcome is what I think it should be, I know that God is in control. I know he's going to take care of me, and I will trust him. This man did not know the outcome, but he believed that Jesus could heal his son. Notice with me, if you would, verse number 48, Jesus said unto him, except you see signs and wonders, you will not believe. Jesus was testing this man to see if he was just there to see the extraordinary or if this man truly believed that Jesus was able. Number four, I see the response. Verse number 49, the man said, Sir, come down ere my child die. He said, Jesus, I know you can do it. I need you to come because if you don't come, my child will die. Verse 50, Jesus saith unto him, Go thy way, thy son liveth. And the man believed the word that Jesus had spoken unto him, and he went his way. Now, I'll be honest with you. I'm not sure I would have had that kind of faith. Lawson, could you help me, buddy? Come on up here real quick. You're going to be Jesus, okay? I'm going to be the nobleman. Come on up here, Lawson. Now, so I come to, I come to Jesus, all right? Lawson, stand right here. And I come to Jesus, and I'm begging. I'm on my knees. I'm saying, please, please come. If you don't come, my son is going to die. And Jesus says, 
It's going to be okay. Thy son liveth. That's a good thing, right? He's okay. He's alive. And then he says, now go home. Now, if I were that nobleman, I think I would have said, I think I'd rather you have, you have you with me, Jesus. Let's go check it out. But that's not the way Jesus did it, right? Jesus said, I'm not going with you. You're just going to have to trust me on this one. Your son's alive. Now go thy way. And here's what the Bible says. The man went his way. He obeyed what Jesus said. Now, again, oh, we of little faith, we'd be like, well, just in case, let's go check it out, Jesus. Just in case, I'd kind of like you to be there in case it didn't, you know, in case the healing didn't take. But that's not what happened. Thank you, Lawson. You can have a seat, brother. The man went home. Now, remember how many miles it was from Capernaum to Cana? About 22 miles. I can't prove this from the Bible, but I don't know if the man stayed there overnight and then waited until the next morning to go home. I don't know if he made part of the journey and stopped for the night, but here's what I know. It wasn't until the next day, as he was still on his way, that he met his servants coming the other way to give him the news. And when he saw the servants, he asked them, and they said, Master, we got good news for you. Here's what they said. Thy son liveth. Now, now, hang on. They didn't know what Jesus told the nobleman, but those were the exact words that Jesus said. The servants are coming, and they haven't rehearsed this. They didn't read a Facebook update. They didn't see a, a video clip of Jesus saying, Thy son liveth. They didn't know those words. But when they're coming to meet the master, those were the exact words they said. Master, thy son liveth. Can you imagine what that man must have been feeling? The emotions? That is a miracle. And not only is that a miracle, but that's my son that's the recipient of that miracle. Hallelujah. My son is alive. And so then the man asks his servants, what time? Notice with me, verse number uh, 52. He inquired of them the hour when he began to amend. So he's asking the servants, what time was it when my son started getting better? And they said, well, we're not really sure there was a start, but we know there was an end because at the seventh hour, the fever left him. You see, this wasn't even a gradual recovery. This was an instantaneous recovery. That fever didn't just start going down. That fever left. And that man knew that it was at that same hour that Jesus said, thy son liveth. That was the same hour that the fever left his boy. That is amazing. We see the response. We see the reaction. The man believed. He went home. He trusted that Jesus Christ would do what he said he would do. Number six, we see the result. The result was that his son was alive. His son was healed by Jesus, and the doctors couldn't take the credit. The medicine couldn't take the credit. A natural healing couldn't take the credit. Only Jesus could take the credit for healing that boy the same hour that he said, thy son liveth. Then I see, lastly, in verses 52 and 53, I see the realization. The realization was that Jesus did exactly what he said he would. He said, thy son liveth, and sure enough, he got home, and his son was alive and well. I want you to notice verse 53. 
So the father knew that it was at the same hour in the which Jesus said unto him, Thy son liveth, and himself believed, and his whole house. You know, we look at this story and we think the biggest part of this story was that there was a son whose physical condition was healed. But that's not the biggest part of the story. There was a whole family that got saved. There was a whole family that believed on Jesus because of the faith of one man. Now, friend, I want to tell you this. I hope that my faith and I hope your faith is such that it would not just affect the way we live, but it would affect our family. I hope that my faith is such that not only does it affect me, but it affects my wife and it affects my children. And I hope my faith could encourage some people here in this church. And I hope your faith could encourage your family and your friends. And, and your faith could encourage your pastor. And, and our faith not just doesn't just stop with us. But the Bible says that the faith of that one man caused not only him to believe, but his whole house. That's a miracle. If you're here today and you've never believed, you've never put your faith and trust in Jesus Christ, that's the miracle that you need. Because you are not just at the point of death, but you are on the brink of eternity. And if you do not know Jesus Christ, if you have not believed on the Lord Jesus Christ, you've never been saved. I'm here to tell you today that you don't get saved because you go to a church. You don't get saved because you're a good person. You don't get saved because you're a nice neighbor. The only way a person gets saved is by putting their faith and trust in Jesus Christ. He is the only way. If you've never believed on him, I would challenge you and I would beg of you to please today, don't put it off another day. Get that settled and believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and thou shalt be saved. Thank you for listening to the preaching podcast of Victory Baptist Church in Roanoke Rapids, North Carolina, led by Pastor Jeremy Coburnett. For more information about our ministry, please visit our website at vbcrr.org. May God bless you as you serve Him this week.